Good evening and welcome to Mwango Spaces this evening. We are blessed to have Joel and Hakamba here today. We have another speaker who's coming in. Joel, Karibu sana. Thank you, Eric. How is the evening going? It's a good day, evening, at least no rains where I am in Nairobi. That's good. The, Most people don't know that you are classmates at the university uh, 10 or so years ago. It's actually 12 years now. Yes, my very good classmate. And you're very much into taxation and I was the accountant. Nice to have you again. It's always a pleasure. So you have our guest here, Hakamba. You can allow her to introduce us. Good evening, yes, everyone. So. My name is Hakamba Wangwe. I work at Kenya Revenue Authority. I'm in charge of the electronic tax waste management system. And I'm looking forward to this engagement. I took quite some time to convince you to come, but welcome here. Nice to have you. And on a light note, so can tell people how it feels like to work at KRA. It's one of the most vilified organizations around, yet very important in this nation. Tell us your personal experience there. How long have you been there and what do you do there? I've been there for quite a while. I think 21 years. I basically have grown up uh, at KRA from the time I think I finished campus up to now. Half my time I've been in automation of business system. So when you're thinking about ITAX, yeah, I was in that environment when you were coming up with ITAX. We went on and did teams. Now we are doing eight teams. I've just been around the KRA automation, especially for the domestic taxes department. I think Mr. Mwaniki, we met, we've met along the way in this process from one system to the other. So it's someone who is familiar to me. There is, I was convinced that Akamba was the right person to be in this discussion around the eight teams because Simply of, of having worked with you on a team's implementation in my previous employer, uh, I liked your hands-on approach to issues. And uh, I believe that is uh, what taxpayers are interested to hear. Somebody who is able to accept where there are issues and show concern on what uh, the authority is working on to make tax compliance and the experience. So we are glad to have you on board. Asante, Asante. Over the years, KRA has changed quite a bit. Maybe from a personal experience, what have you seen at KRA over the years? We're just starting on a light note before we head into the deep stuff. I think for me, the changes are mostly with the reforms and modernization programs because we started from our fairly manual environment and then now we are looking at a situation where even the most basic of processes is now being automated. But from our people perspective, I think especially now, this year has been quite tough as it is for everyone, but it has been tough for us. But uh, we are doing our best because the expectations from us are a bit higher, but again, it makes the environment a bit more challenging because at the end of the day, then we have to meet our objectives. So uh, I think that's what I would say. I think this year has been a bit hard from an us perspective as people, but for progress, I think we've come a long way as career. I think it's something that we appreciate that we've been able to do so much, even when it's really challenging for us. Yeah, I think that's what I'd say. That's yeah. good. No, it plays an important role, even though people make fun of it a lot. A functional government is nothing without a carry. So I think that's important for people to know. Maybe you can explain to people what E-Teams is and then uh, we can go on from there. So Joe, so feel free to pop in once in a while. Uh, Hakamba, over to you. What's E-Teams? I mean, just defining it is the electronic tax invoice management system. Now, that's what I would de define it as. But uh, it's just a progression of a journey that uh, I would say began in 2005 when we were looking at the environment that VAT registered taxpayers were operating in. And at that point, we introduced the electronic tax registers, the ETRs. At that time, they were just generating receipts. You just generate the, the receipt and they were standardized receipts and they could be issued. 
and be used for declarations. But over time, we thought of improving this process. It took a bit long because think about from 205 to 2016 is when now we started the journey for the tax invoice management system, which was actually actualized due to various reasons in about 20, where we could get the tax invoices actually transmitted to KRA. But then as we implemented it, we found we had a bit of a challenge because as much as we were able to onboard, especially the bigger taxpayers to come on board and be able to transmit for the media and small enterprise, we had a challenge because the solution that we had seemed a bit, can we say, costly for for the smaller taxpayers. And then we didn't have flexibility because it had only a device-based approach to um, transmission of invoice data to KRA. So that's when eTeams was thought about because now it was more cost-effective. Taxpayer only needed to have some kind of communication device and we were offering a free software. Now this, we got to this implementation in November, December 2020. So that now we are able to give the taxpayer simple and convenient means to be able to comply with the requirements that we had put for them. So it didn't matter what a taxpayer has, if you have a phone, if you have a tablet, if you have uh, the PDS, the handheld device, if you have a computer, if you have a laptop, then it gives you the flexibility to be able to comply. For those ones who are in only service business, then we are even providing an online portal where a taxpayer doesn't even need to have a certain device where we are installing the free software, but we could give them credentials and they are able to trust us. The scope has been limited so far to V-registered taxpayers. Now, this conversation is coming about because now we are also targeting, we are extending this implementation to the taxpayers who are not VA registered taxpayers. So basically all other taxpayers under the income tax bracket are, are actually supposed now to also transition and start using the ETIM solution. So in brief, that's how I'll define this implementation. Joe, are you just jumping? Yes. And maybe before we go deep into ETIM, Come back and maybe clarify for us, for taxpayers who had boarded teams and they already have the devices working and they were able to transmit, does that mean they will continue using the device even as we opted e-teams in a parallel system approach? Or does it mean that everyone has to onboard the teams and completely decommission the devices? Thank you, Joe. Uh, basically, uh, what what we are, we are doing right now, uh, we are not going back to the VAT registered taxpayers again. So our focus is on non-VA registered taxpayers because that's where we currently have a gap. So for the ones who had onboarded on the team's devices, as long as you, you are not having any technical problems, because there are some who are having issues with their devices maybe malfunctioning and the back and forth with various issues with technology, then they can actually transition to e-teams. But we are not going to that area where by January, where we are saying that everyone must be able to transmit their invoices, that even those ones who had onboarded on that device-based approach should also have migrated by then. Of course, we know the end game, what we are looking at, although we have two parallel systems running uh, right now, but the end game, we are looking at a situation where we will have all the taxpayers or on A-teams. The ones who are, who are on teams right now, their focus should be on transmission compliance. Remember, we are having legislative provisions towards that. So they need to comply with the transmission process because with it then, we'll be able to put in the further measures that we are planning. For example, we are talking about the VAT auto population populated return, which we plan to roll out. 
And we're also talking about the requirement to only support your expenditure with electronic tax invoice. So they should comply with transmission so that they can be able to benefit or to facilitate other taxpayers with this provision. Just uh, to add on to that, when uh, we initiated the team in November 2020, mm. uh, one of the challenges I saw from many businesses, especially from my suppliers then, was that uh, they could be able to generate a team's compliant invoice. But unfortunately, when you query the code, you will not be able to see the information from uh, linking up to ITAC. Uh, back you, of course, you get from such a taxpayer is that transmission of the data is a KRA problem. For me as a taxpayer, I've given you a team's compliant invoice with a QR code. What would you respond to that, Akamba? Actually, when you look at, at the regulations right now, especially that are applying to the VAT registered taxpayers, the issue of transmission is the responsibility of the taxpayer. That means they need to make sure that whether they're on teams, they need to be able to access internet because transmission is through the internet. So they need to make sure that they access internet and that their their devices or their computer communication uh, gadgets are able to transmit the invoices. So it's not the responsibility of KRA to transmit. That's the, in fact one of the reasons why we are rolling out the auto-populated return so that we can be able to improve the transmission compliance. The issue of querying the QR code. In the past, sometimes we, we've had, because of uh, some taxpayers some uh, not transmitting invoices, Actually, the complaints about the verification not working very well was coming as a result of that. But over time, I think with enforcement measures kicking in and I think the, especially the business-to-business -business, uh, customers being more alert to their right to get a validated receipt, then we found that this situation has improved quite a bit and, and that most taxpayers now are striving to transmit invoices. We could definitely do better, but there's an improvement in that area right now. Thank you for that. But uh, the initial challenges that taxpayers were facing was their teams was quite rigid in terms of the decimal point that could be transmitted on the system. I don't know whether there has been any improvement to that because initially I believe teams was only allowing up to two decimal points. Maybe you can comment on that, whether there has been a, an extension on the allowance of decimal points and also the era of margin whether that has been improved from uh, the initial 0 0.01 to a more accommodative um, margin. Yes, you know, with any technology, start from a point of the basic requirements, even with E-teams, and then you get to a point where what was laid out as requirements, you find it's not quite working in the market. So what we had to do is actually be add the, the, the tolerance and yes, actually right now we don't have that issue because we had to revise the tolerance and make sure that it's a bit more flexible to be, to, 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 to be able to validate the invoices. You'll find even the decimal points and the issue of the tolerance right now, it's, it's not a problem. If you find any invoices being invalidated, it's simply because the calculations are actually wrong. But we resolved that issue. Thank you for that. And when we look at, at heat teams, does it mean that one has to have some IT background to be able to install and run heat teams or can a layman? like myself and Mokaya here, who are not tea experts, 
Can I be able to install e-teams from the comfort of my home and be able to run and transmit my invoice? So all this depends. Eh? I'm going to say it's, it depends. I, I don't have one. And so it depends also on the complexity of your own business. So if you have a very simple business, the small, small enterprises where you probably do not have an automated billing invoicing system, billing or invoicing system, then all you need and, you, and your business, maybe business model is fairly... Can we say simple? Uh, it doesn't have many complications. So all you need is to have a communication device that, of course, meets some certain specifications because, again, the software is in such a way that be beyond certain versions, just the same way with uh, our mobile phones, then you cannot be able to install that software. So you need to meet some minimum specifications. You could be having a phone, tablet, or a computer, or whatever. And uh, if you have a bit of technical know-how, and I know Maniki, you do, then we have the free software that you can install on your device. But on our end, from the point where you sign up, just like any other app, on our end, there's, once you sign up, we, there's an approval process, you know why? Because you are a, a taxpayer. For example, if you go and are in the process of registration or signing up and you decide, you are doing services or goods and services, and then you say you want to select the online portal. On our end, we have to check if your business has both goods and services or it's goods, then we know goods cannot go on the online portal. And therefore, we have to advise you that for this one, you need the client solutions and so forth. So there's an approval process on our end. That's where the, the, there's probably maybe a break in your process of installing the software for yourself. So that we check and make sure that you've selected the correct uh, solution that suits your business. But after that, if you're good with technology, then you should be able to, to do it on your end, to complete the installation on your end. For those ones who are dealing with services only, the only thing we give you once you register is credentials so that you can log in from wherever, whichever device you have, you can log in and be able to generate. In the event you have technical uh, challenges, maybe, we have equipped all our care offices so that if you visit any of them, you don't need to pay an IT expert to do it for you. You can visit any care office and they'll be able to help you do the installation. Now, there's the other bit now, the one for advanced billing systems. Now, if you have a software billing system, you have an ERP, for example. Now, for that one, you require to do a system-to-system -system integration. Again, if you have a technical team that can do the self-integration for you, then we invite you to do it for yourself. What we do from our end is give you the specifications, the requirements, and then you go and meet the requirements, do the integration for yourself, then you're able to transmit info to us. But again, in the event you don't have capacity to do the self-integration for yourself, then we have a list of uh, third-party e-teams integrators on the website. So you can contact any of them so, so that they assist you with doing the system-to-system -system integration. So that's why Monique was saying the answer is not one. It depends on what you want to do. It depends on the complexity of your business. It depends on how equipped you are technically. You could do it yourself or you could come to carry or you could engage a third-party uh, integrator to help you do the work. For that uh, comprehensive answer, I believe uh, looking at uh, the responses we have uh, witnessed and seen, many of the complaints are coming from the small to middle taxpayer. And I believe uh, what uh, KRA needs to do more is to give information on how to do the self-integration for especially 
small taxpayers who are mostly running on service. You could start there and then try to simplify. As a start, this is what you need, uh, the link to the site, and uh, you will need to get approval for the codes from a KRA administrator and so on and so forth. And then now you can uh, introduce a simplified approach for also small scale taxpayers who are also in the business of selling goods. I believe for the middle to large taxpayers, they are able to have an in-house IT personnel and that can be much easier. But where we may care is likely to face a big challenge in terms of compliance with respect to small-scale taxpayers. So I hope there are plans to do a lot of campaigns and awareness so that, again, it does not come with a lot of burden for taxpayers. Akamba, I'm sure you're working on that. Maybe you can comment. Yes, yes. Uh, you, you know, what we appreciate is we feel like we've gone back to 205 again. Uh, at that point, the VAT registered taxpayers had to be given a lot of information because it was actually a new thing for them to be able to start now actually adopting the reforms that we were introducing. So we are in the next phase of it because now we are introducing the same concept, maybe more advanced concept of the same concept to the other taxpayers who have not previously been touched by these reforms because over and over again, we've been going back to the VAT registered taxpayers. Yes, I agree with you that uh, there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the ground. And we, as we speak, you'll find even when you go to the KRA website, we're almost having daily sensitizations now. Today we had, I think, two sessions, but you're going to have daily sense. Probably maybe for the small taxpayers, uh, if they stumble upon any of them, they're very free to join in because what we realize right now is the publicity and awareness campaign is going to actually be very critical to this phase of imp implementation. We are also working on revising some of the material that we have on the website, we already have some material on the website which a taxpayer can access. And we have also uh, some of this material on YouTube. We have the same going on and we are going to have the publicity campaign also just to make sure that we reach as many of our taxpayers as possible with the information that they need for them to be able to comply. There's something that you mentioned about simplification. Yes, again, uh, the most important thing is to start. But yes, uh, the consideration is there to think, to explore any way we can simplify either the solution that we have or with one of the options that we have in that solution or offering some simplified options within the taxpayer's ecosystem so that where they're operating, they can actually be able to also invoice within the same ecosystem without getting into so much of an inconvenience of going through the loop before they actually can get into the invoicing process. So it's a work in progress, but for now we can say that we, we are starting where we are, but over time you should be able to see a lot of developments in this area to better support this implementation in the long run. Thank you. Thank you for that. And looking at the public notice that was recently published requiring every taxpayer doing business in Kenya to onboard team by 1st of January. From my own observation, I believe not many taxpayers will be able to comply with that uh, timeline. You can try to explain to us uh, what will be the implications of failure to comply and whether there's room to extend uh, that timeline. Uh, it's good to give uh, taxpayers some window within which they will be handling the teeth in problems. And then maybe after three, six months, then... Uh, I believe uh, would have been a better way of looking at it. But now, at 
at the moment, we are almost like a month to the implementation day. And I believe uh, many taxpayers are not yet on board. And maybe I could add on that. I think one of the common uh, questions that I get is that it's a month to and there's not enough sensitization that has happened. And there seems like the implications of this is pretty massive across board. And in that regard, like, what are you doing then to make sure that taxpayers uh, get to know about this a bit more than what you're doing currently? Okay. Thank you, both of you. This is not, um, like the public notice just came out the, the other day, but remember that the, the legislative uh, amendments were actually done, uh, the introduction of this law was done in the Finance Act 2023, way back in June. So the public notice was just a reminder that this is what is going to happen. But it's not the first time that we were talking about it. So we are, we are actually talking about six months down the line. Nonetheless, Joe, we cannot start talking about an extension before you even uh, start working the journey. Kenyans, what is going to happen? When you say there's an extension, they'll stop doing what they're doing. I see the number plates, for example. Once there's, uh, the deadline moves, people will wait until the last day of that say, the deadline that has moved so that we can be able to come back and say we did not have enough time. So we are not in that space yet to start talking about an extension. We are actually talking about the law coming into effect. Now, the situation is the law is coming into effect on 1st January. What implications this is going to have? I think every taxpayer needs to assess the environment within which they are working. For example, if you are actually working in an environment where you have business-to-business transactions, and if you do not comply, then you actually become another person's inconvenience. Probably that other person or the other persons will feel uncomfortable doing business with you because it means then if they do business with you, that's an expenditure or transaction that they cannot be able to account for in their income tax returns. So I would be asking the environment within which a taxpayer is working, then they need to see how best they can be able to address any situation that might cause an inconvenience to themselves when it comes to that point where now the law has actually taken effect and that they were supposed to, to comply. The other thing is that you already know that KRA teams, the enforcement teams are actually on the ground right now. So we don't want also to find ourselves in a situation where now your business is interrupted because of something you probably could have done within 20 minutes. What I would advise from a care perspective is uh, to take this time. Yes, you have said it's just a month to go, but to take this time and see what adjustments that you need to make in your own environment so that you're able to comply within the time that we have actually provided and leave the conversation about extension to others, not yourself, so that uh, it it doesn't become an inconvenience to you. But just to mention again, apart from the implication of that also, we have the provision of the penalty. Again, in the same Finance Act, we did not have such uh, defined penalties in the VAT regime when we were rolling out the electronic uh, tax invoice. But this time round, we have Section 86 of the uh, Tax Procedures Act that is now introducing a penalty should you fail to give or to issue an electronic tax invoice. So probably it's good if we took this time to be able to onboard. What I would say apart from, I've mentioned about the stakeholder engagements and thank you for for organizing this session. I'm sure maybe most of us will take something home with us and be able to see if it can be helpful to ourselves or maybe for to people that we know so that they're also able to inform others, tell others that this is what is coming for sure. 
But what else do we need to do? Uh, I mentioned about stakeholder engagement. I mentioned about the material, the guidelines on the website. We have the YouTube videos. We have the publicity and awareness campaign that will start uh, in, the, in the course of December. And uh, our teams countrywide, any care office that you visit, are they're actually equipped to be able to assist uh, the taxpayers come on board. So any of these channels you use or you do it for yourself, then should be sufficient for you to be, to, to be able to onboard within less than a day, actually. You shouldn't take that long. And uh, maybe from a layman perspective, what exactly does e-teams do practically? And then also, especially for people who provide services like us, how do we then integrate that into our work and business? And Karibu, honest. As I mentioned, we have various solutions. Now, if you are offering services only, all you need is credentials for our online portal that is directly connecting to, to KRA through the internet so that you just transmit your invoices through that solution. But uh, for smaller enterprises, which are uh, fairly simple, you ha we have the client solution. You can also install the uh, free software on the tablets, your laptops. We also have a bit more advanced solutions for even smaller taxpayers. For example, if you have branches, if you have a very a multiple pay points, for example, we have solutions that don't require you to actually have an ERP system or a software billing system for you to do the system to system integration. So it all depends on how your business is looking like for you to determine which solution is actually best for you. The simplest I would say is the online portal for those ones with purely services, then they get the credentials and do that. But for those ones who have goods, the reason why we don't have people who are selling goods on the online portal, remember the law, the way the law has changed section 23A is talking about not only transmission of electronic tax invoices, it also is talking about starting to keep stock records. So the stock management module all the other solutions except the online portal. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm strictly saying online portal is for services and for the, all the other, you can transact goods and or, or goods and services, both goods and services, but it has a provision for the stock management module, which is not only a requirement for KRA, but it also gives the taxpayer a chance to do their own inventory management through the same system. Maybe a follow-up question. So... Practically, I need to invoice Joe maybe for a particular service that I provided to him and he needs to pay me. Uh, what's the process there? Like the credentials you're getting, where, where in the process of generating the invoice do I use them? First of all, you have to, you, you, you still have to do the registration. So you have to do the registration. And once you do the registration, you do a service request. You say that you're doing the online portal. Once you approve, you will receive credentials the same way you, you log into any app. What are the credentials you get? Like a user login or what's that? Yes, I use a login. Correct. I use a login mm -hmm. with your password, which you can change. The, the login credentials, which you can change your password. And then once you log in, then you go on with the process of generating invoices. You'll be able to have access to the page within which you can generate an invoice. So uh, I'm just trying to understand, how do you generate this invoice on the portal? Do I need a separate system? If you're using something like pick books to generate your invoices currently. How does the e-teams work together with the invoice that I've currently been generating? So perhaps like some of us, we utilize like Canva to generate an invoice and then you send it to someone. Where in this process exactly am I supposed to incorporate? I'm asking as a layman because I, 
really trying to understand the, the entire system. Okay, so so there, there are two aspects still. You talked about QuickBooks. Uh, remember, I've been talking about if you have a software billing system, then for that one, because within QuickBooks, you have actually been generating invoices. The only thing is that the, it, it wasn't linked to the revenue authority for it to transmit the same invoices to KRA. Now, if you have QuickBooks, if you have Tandy Solutions, if you have any ERP solution, then you need to do the system-to-system -system integration with your billing system. So that's a different concept altogether. Now, if you've been doing your invoices through the, some solutions on the open source solutions, we can't link with your open source solution. You'd have to actually register in the eTeam solution. Now you'll strictly be generating invoices through the eTeam solution and not the, 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 the ones that you, you get from the internet. You actually have to shift, migrate and generate invoices from eTeam. I hope I'm clear. I get that. So I will be using eTeam's internet invoices. So that means that Care is providing the invoicing system for everyone in the country going forward. Is that like correct. practical. Yes, correct. These are some of the things that I actually have not been able to understand myself so far. So secondly, so beyond that, you generated the invoice. I've sent it out. You are tracking it. There's usually a long process and long delay between invoice generation, sending it and actually getting the payment. So you have access to this data. Then when exactly does KRA want to be paid for this, some of the, let's say, a VAT on this invoice? Okay, so, so the VAT Act is quite clear and uh, just seeing, envisioning such situations, we have provisions for determining when the tax point, especially for VAT purposes, when the tax point or where the tax point is. It is when you either issue an invoice, receive payment, whether fully or partially, whether you've completed the service or whether you've received a certificate of completion, if you're thinking of maybe a construction service, then whichever comes earlier, that's when you, you determine when you're supposed to declare that invoice. So if the invoice was issued in this month of November, then when you're filing the return in December for the November tax period, that's when you need to declare the invoice. If you're paid this month, you're supposed to declare by December 20th. If you've completed the work or you received a certificate of com completion, whichever happens earlier is when you determine when you're supposed to declare that supply. So if it takes long to be paid, the law says, once you complete the service, then that's when the tax point applies and that's when you need to declare. Then the government has entire months of unpaid invoices and bills. So it's shifting a huge burden to the consumer in this case. Like they have to pay up front for staff, which they they be delayed for sometimes up to a year. I've seen some, especially for us operating online businesses, you find someone taking up to a year to get you paid. Uh, so I think like quite a bit of challenges in terms of cash flows going forward. Is there anything that care is thinking in terms of mitigating some of these aspects, especially for people outside the VAT system? Like how are they supposed to handle this? So coming back to that, I think uh, for the issue at this point, I'd like to maybe separate what happens at central government from what legal provisions have been provided for care. Because now if I mix then I'm not able to defend why there are pending bills in central government, but I can talk about why the law is there. And uh, what we've been telling our stakeholders, because it's not a law that is coming into effect right now, it has been for the last, uh, I think, since I, I joined employment, it has been like that. And what we've been telling our stakeholders, because it's an area that most stakeholders normally challenge, is that it's, this is the area where whenever there's a budget cycle, if it's something that is going to be a challenge, it's becoming a challenge to business, then 
I think through the right channels, any stakeholder can raise that as an area that needs to be reviewed so that the law can apply in line with the changing times or the circumstances that are actually happening on the ground. And just to say that we've said this over and over uh, the, the years when we're implementing teams and now e-teams, but somehow it has not been brought forward to Treasury for an area that needs to be looked at so that there's an improvement and there's a bit of reprieve on, on, on the taxpayers. But as it is, the, the, that's how the law stands, right? Well, for small businesses out there, I think that's a key point. Uh, especially going into 2024. Unless you're generating these invoices via e-teams, then are you also providing a way for someone to do accounting in the e-teams or something like that? Or is that purely just for tax? Maybe you can clarify what extent of uh, accounting you're talking about. And I track the invoices now in terms of payment and stuff like that, because that's also what's provided for. Let's say I use personally Google Sheets to track how the invoices are coming in and going out. How, how that's supposed to look like? Can I track some of these invoices? Map them as paid on the system sometimes when I get the money partially paid or something like that? No. Um, yes, maybe just to add on Mokaya's question is whether on the team software, a taxpayer can generate a report that helps them with their accounting, with their accounting role in terms of tracking and managing supplier invoices and any payments. Okay, I would say this for especially the client solutions, the simple solutions. I think to some extent you can actually have visibility of the invoices that you have issued and the ones that have been issued to you. However, when it comes to the, the ones that on the system-to-system -system integration, you basically have a, a control of what you'd like to see on your solution, then I think it gives you a bit more flexibility to be able to determine what kind of uh, reports you'd like to get from the system or what other processes about, apart from invoicing that you can be able to, to do through the system. But uh, for these ones, the free software which we are offering, I would like to say that it's, it's a bit limited because our focus is on generation of invoices and being able to do the stock management through the system. But it won't give you that flexibility you want as a business person so that maybe you won't need a software billing system. No, it's not as flexible as that. Uh, I mean, Joe and Anna, feel free to come in. I'm just trying to understand the system a bit better from a layman perspective. Maybe a, a further question I had in terms of the, say, the e-team system itself. It's going into, I'll say, it's a month too, and sm some small businesses may struggle with this, especially the, the, the initial integration phase. I think I asked you, Joe, how like a small business like mine can actually adopt the e-team system. You, you almost told me that I should go check out a software engineer to be able to help out on this. Is this something that's maybe tax but actually working on in terms of also helping people to be able to know what to do, especially with the e-teams, Joe and Agnes. And also some of the questions that you're hearing, especially as you interact with small businesses. I think I will pass that to Ernst because he's in the business of running a CPM. And so maybe he can answer that from feedback he has received from uh, the clients, whether uh, the system is simplified to the extent of them being able to do it on their own and uh, whether it's something that uh, requires uh, technical expertise. So most of my clients have not started using the online system, but from what I have gathered is that people are not able to generate the list of input VAT that has been raised from the system using the physical devices and from the online system. So my expectation had been that the VAT return will be auto-populated. I have not been able to see any auto-population into my returns as we do it every month. 
I find it so that it still not helps simplifying business. It is supposed to have brought in some simplification, but I'm yet to see the simplification in terms of reducing the manual work, entering that whole Excel worksheet, all the invoices one by one. So my expectation is, yes, in addition to integration, the KRA should provide for integration of my system to the ETIM system so that I do not have to do double work. Once I read an invoice from my accounting system, I have to go into the ETIM system or to the physical device and raise another invoice. Yes, so that creates double work. In terms of the management of inventory, I am yet to see how that will work, especially for people who have a lot of stock people who run small shops. I don't know how this is intended to be done, but hopefully it will simplify doing business. But also then there is the issue of connectivity. Who pays for that if you're going to use the online system? Because my expectation would be that care issues probably provide for free internet accessibility to their system. So they come up with an arrangement with the internet service providers so that people can be able to access their systems free of charge through their phones or their tablets so that uh, online connectivity is not harmful. Because if you have to use your own data and you're keeping this device connected the whole day for some businesses, that could be a bit difficult. Joe, do you have anything to add? I have a further question in terms of the... So they have vertable services and then there's uh, some which are not. So if you got into items and you're raising an invoice, does it also guide you in terms of what's vertable and what's not vertable or in that regard as you send out invoices? And that's for me now. Yeah, that is for you or for anyone. Thank you, Ernest. So for the auto-populated return, you'll be surprised, Ernest, because you, you're waiting for the auto-populated return, but there are some who are concerned that you're rolling out the auto-populated return. And yes, we've held it off a bit because we wanted to get to a critical population of our taxpayers on board. Yes, we are starting with the January 2024 tax period. That means for that month of January, if you don't get all your invoices through Teams and eTeams, then come that time you are supposed to be filing your return, then we are going to have that information actually populated on your return. The deployment is actually being done in, in, in within this period of time, but we are starting officially with the January 2024 return. So what we are expecting is that we'll give you provision for you to make adjustments in sales for whatever reason. If you forgot to add a sale, maybe because your internet was down, then we give you that provision. However, when it comes to input tax, we will restrict so that if you did not transmit the invoices and if you did not declare it, then the provisions of Section 17 of the VAT Act will kick in that we don't see it, you cannot claim it. So it will be important that during this period of time, again, this stakeholder engagement that is going to go on in that regard, that put measures in place to make sure that you must transmit all your invoices to KRA because come January, then the simplification of the VAT return begins. So the issue of connectivity right now, unless something changes, actually it's the responsibility of the taxpayer to make sure that their invoices are actually transmitted to carry. So for the question from Moka about whether you can determine who, if the system guides you what is vertable, what is not, yes. The it items are classified. So that there's the list of the, the items that are zero rated, they're exempt and they're classified as such. And this, you get to do this at that point when you are starting your invoicing process and you enter your stocks, 
they get to be classified according to how, how you do your item management and the system is guiding to which category this should fall in. But should it be some any of these uh, taxpayers who are onboarding now who are not VAT registered, simply by the virtue of you not having the VAT obligation, all your invoices will come out to the other end as non-VAT. I think going forward for even the listeners who are here, You'll be receiving a, an invoice and you'll see it written non-VAT because that person who is selling to you, whether those items he's selling to you, for example, a taxpayer who is registered for turnover tax, if they start generating invoices through the system, as long as they don't have the VAT obligation, then all their invoices will be reading non-VAT. It will be showing that person is not registered for VAT. Therefore, the VAT, the 16% will not be reflecting on the invoice. So you just make your payment and go. The disadvantage of this one is that if you are VAT registered and you purchase your supplies from someone who is not VAT registered, of course, they are not going to charge VAT. You also cannot claim your input tax from that supply because you are not charged VAT. So basically, that would be my responses to those questions that, that have been asked. Thank you. On this point, Joe, I think it's good to also clarify, when do you register for turnover tax, VAT, and those kind of stuff? So maybe a quick primer on that. Yes. So Eric, to answer to that, the VAT Act already outlines when a taxpayer qualifies to register for VAT purposes. And I believe the requirement is if you are making a sales amounting to um, 5 million in a year, then you are required to register for VAT purposes. Otherwise, uh, VAT registration can still be done on a voluntary basis even before you get to the threshold of 5 million. Now, for, for a turnover, maybe Ernst can uh, clarify on the qualification maybe the lower limit and the upper limit to operate within a turnover tax. So for TOT, the turnover tax, yeah, your sales should be between 1 million shillings and 25 million shillings. And that is the person who is required to now register that TOT. I've seen that yes. they have published new draft regulations for TOT. How often are you paying? Okay. Monthly. Which is a monthly obligation just like VAT. You pay by the 20th of the next month. And how do you estimate that usually? Like, in the say the sales you made last month, 5% of them or? Yes, the rate is 3% for turnover tax. It's supposed to be paid based on the total turnover for the previous month, multiplied by 3%. That's what you declare in your turnover tax return by the 20th of the next month. And maybe and and you can also tie that to how does that eliminate other tax obligations. Having TOT, you still need to declare VAT, withholding tax, income tax, and so on. So if you are under TOT and your sales are above 25 million, then you need to register for VAT. That's the first thing you need to remember. So it does not exempt you from VAT as long as you've mentioned the registration threshold. In terms of other taxes, my understanding is that yes, you, if you have employees, you'd have to pay as you earn. If you have uh, consultants, you'd have to pay withholding tax and all of those other responsibilities. But you will not pay the corporate tax or the individual income tax at the graduated scale. So if it's a sole proprietorship, you're exempted from the income tax. If you're a company, you're exempted from corporate tax. So if you are registered for TOT, you do not need to pay corporate tax at the end of the year. No, there's no corporate tax that is applicable and a person who's in TOT. Because it's an so option, you're either in corporate tax or under TOT. Because both of them are business taxes, so you cannot be subject to both. You're only subject to one of them. 
you elect or opt into one. I have a curious question then. On the income tax one, you'll like all these invoices, that's when you need them, like to offset the expenses. So under TOT, do you really need then the items? Don't, I'm not asking a camera, I'm asking you. Yes, why? The invoices are more for expenses and expen and the TOT is like a revenue tax. You will require the invoices, uh, Mokaya, for VAT purposes. Remember, yeah, Ernst yeah. mentioned that above the threshold of 5 million, you will still be required to register for VAT and operate turnover tax for purposes of income or uh, what we call a uh, corporate tax. So for yeah. the VAT, you will need to get the E-Teams compliant invoice to be able to claim your input VAT. Like if you're non non-vertible and then you're below the 5 million threshold and then you have your TOT. Do you still do need the ETIPs after all? In the income tax, you can only claim expenses that are teams compliant if you're under corporate tax. If you're the one who's selling under the Tax Procedures Act, you needs to declare every invoice. That's my understanding. Also, every invoice still has to be declared. All invoices need to be under ETIPs. What's the implication for someone who does not then use ETIPs, say, January to send out invoices. What's the application for this person in terms of offsetting the invoices and listing them for corporate tax or income taxes here and there or VAT? I can take that, uh, Mokayas. So the implications will be twofold. There is the general penalty for not issuing E-Teams compliant invoices and Hakamba can clarify on the penalty on that. And then on the VAT, you will get a pushback from your customer because they will also not be able to claim the input VAT. So it's both the general penalty for not issuing, then a pushback from your customer or for VAT, input VAT claim purposes. And then for income tax, again, iTax will not allow you to bring in on board those expenses. Kamba, maybe you can uh, clarify in case I missed something. If I could also add, any person who's required to show how much he's supposed to account for under VAT or under TOT, such a person needs to register ETIMS and generates an ETIMS compliant invoice. Because it's on the basis of that that you'll be able to pay those two particular taxes, TOT and VAT. And in terms of deducting, say, there's stuff which is really hard to send invoices for. You buy stuff here and there, like, some small services here and there, like the uh, paying off some small stuff, like tips and stuff like that. Can you offset them? You still need to almost issue an invoice for everything that you do then as a business. I think may, everybody may have seen the notice that was issued by Farmer's Chase. Farmer's Chase has said, we'll not touch you if you don't give us an e-teams compliant invoice. And I'm seeing large corporates going down that road, issuing notices to all their suppliers and to all their staff. Do not bring us an eating non-compliant invoice. So you see people shunning businesses that do not provide such invoices. I think all the way to the transport sector also. If you're using a Boda Boda, a guy to deliver, you'd have to give you an ETIMS compliant invoice before you would pay him. So you'll see a shift in how businesses are done. So I'm seeing a whole new change in 2024. Everybody will have a device for generating invoices, a tablet that you'll just be emailing all your invoices to all your customers. So it will be a huge shift in how businesses are operated in Kenya. Okay. It's a major one. Joe, you had something to add then? Yes. And this will be maybe a question to Akamba. 
practically some expenses do not need an invoice to become expensive. And they are genuine expenses. I'll give examples. Talk of uh, bank charges. The bank does not need to issue you an invoice. They just debit your account. Talk of uh, when uh, you are making a provision for your business. Obviously, you are operating under accrual basis. You do not need to issue invoices for those provisions. So then come end of 2024, all those uh, legitimate business expenses that do not ne uh, need an invoice, does it mean then taxpayers will not be able to take in those expenses as deductible under income tax? That's a very good question, Joe. And I wanted to add in terms of small expenses, say like under thousand shillings, you usually don't want to trust five bob invoices or something like that. And these still actual expenses that need to be offset in terms of against the revenues of the business. Uh, how does someone go about that? And then secondly, also an issue to do with, say, a Kenyan business that is also like transacting, let's say it's, your expenses may be travel or on the plane or something like that. You're paying for an air ticket. The company's from abroad and then they're giving you a receipt or something like that. Can you use that to offset against your revenues at the same time? Or do you still also do need an E-Teams or something like that for this? I hope you're understanding me. I'm just trying to understand. I could be wrong in terms of my thinking, but I really want to really dig down to the, to the depths of what the implications of E-Teams today possible. Come back. Okay. Uh, yeah. Maybe I just need to mention that in all this, we already have exemptions for what we don't need an electronic tax invoice for. So we have, for example, emoluments, we have uh, investment deductions, we have air ticketing already in that category. In the process of you import, you remember when you import supplies, the VAT is being accounted for at the port of entry. Therefore, at that point where you are accounting the v for the VAT at the port of entry, we are not asking for an electronic tax invoice from you because we know our sister department customs already has got that. So we are not asking you for an electronic tax invoice for that. But uh, I just like to say that the provisions that have been made for the exemptions, it has said, and similar payments. So Monique is bringing in the issue of bank charges. For bank charges, interest already is exempt. It's part of what is exempt. But should a sector feel that transactions, let's say the banking sector, should be subjected to exemption and it's not part of what has been outrightly exempted, then they're free to bring up a case so that they can be advised by the commissioner whether this category, let's say if bank charges, it feels they should be part of what is considered similar payments, then they need to bring in the case. It's not going to be a blanket consideration, but... It's going to be as presented to be on case-by-case case basis so that now the commissioner can determine if uh, some of these charges or the transactions fall under what would be considered similar payments. But when you're talking about invoicing, maybe we are using a heavy term. I think, okay, you talked about maybe small expenses, maybe five bob. Think about it as, as any business transaction that you get a receipt for. So we're just replacing that receipt you receive, whether it's five bob, whether it's 10 bob to we are replacing that with a transaction that is actually transmitted to KRA. That's how you should be looking at it. And therefore, if it's contributing to your business income, you are a resident uh, person who is conducting business or a non-resident person with permanent establishment, then in the process of your business, whatever it is that you are keeping a record of transaction with receipts, then we'd like that receipt to be an e-teams receipt. So 
if you look at it like that, then maybe probably it simplifies the whole situation a bit. But I think there's something that was raised earlier about turnover tax that you don't have to do the, the annual return, which is true because now it's 3% over the period of time. Then you remember for VAT, I mentioned that because it's an NVAT receipt, then whoever you have issued the receipt to cannot claim input tax. But when it comes to for income tax purposes, that receipt of yours is important to the other person you're doing business with because they need to claim expenditure. So when you look at it like that, then even the turnover tax taxpayer, however much that they don't have expenses they are claiming at the end of it, but we can see that they have an impact on the other people they are doing business with. So we need to, to have all these transactions being accounted for through the, the solution that we've provided. I'm a little surprised that you don't have like a threshold. In terms of even five bob, is it that the cost of doing that way there? kind of positive effect because somebody is tracking like, like a 10 bob somewhere in that regard. Maybe I can respond to that, Eric. Ideally, even uh, for normal accounting, if you do not have a document to support the expense, then it would not be taken in as a but business. No, even for accounting, we have the aspect where you have petty cash. That's a petty cash where you can, it's can be offset for random stuff that you're doing around, you know. Am I am that you want for, for the business here? It seems like it's impractical to do like a 10 bob invoice or something like that just because you want to compliance and all. I feel like that's the cost outweighs the, the benefits of doing that. So ideally, I think what the revenue authority is trying to eliminate is uh, operating on a cash basis without a uh, documentary support. And so if I just uh, pick what a company they said earlier, even a receipt for 50 shillings, issue that um, your local supermarket will be able to be taken in as an unlovable expense because the receipt you get from the supermarket will be teams or e-teams compliant. So idea is to avoid paying someone in cash without any document support. But if you purchase from the supermarket, then that will qualify. I understand, Joe, but somebody is asking about the practicability of buying milk from a roadside kiosk. But surely my mom boy shop, we just have the bandwidth to give your buyer speed and input and now keep all these records and stuff. And also the, the, the second meters, like most countries, I've not seen countries do this, especially for small traders. So I feel like it's going to hit hard a lot of small businesses in the new year. And I feel like people are not yet ready about the massive implications this will have on most businesses. It means that you almost can't do anything without that e-teams. And especially for small staff, I feel like it's just a bit of a pain to do this for small businesses. Some people can afford, but the small businesses will be really hard hit on this stuff. For B2B business, I think the way the law is currently what for B2B business, yes, everybody would require to be compliant. For B2C, I'm seeing that, yes, probably people may avoid doing it, but B2C, I don't see how you'd be able to get out of it. So if your target client is a business, you'd have to be compliant and ensure you've got these devices and you've got your business set up for migration into this new teams process. And that's how I see it going into the future. There will be some serious pain, yes, in the implementation in terms of the costs, internet connectivity, in terms of time, someone has to key in every transaction, especially stock records. Yes, every time you make a small purchase, you're on a small trader. Every time you make a small purchase, you input it into the system. Yes. So I'm saying until probably when now this stock can be 
auto-populated by your vendor. So as your vendor sells to you, then you're able to pick that stock into your stock records automatically without having to do a manual input. Until such a time that it comes, yes, there will be a lot of manual work entering that information into your system again. So I'm seeing some difficulty. Also integration of imports from the imports custom system into the ETIM system. I don't know how that will be simplified so that probably you can be able to pull that data from the custom system into the ETIM system without having to manually enter. Because that, of course, then you'll have to enter it in your accounting system for your normal accounting purposes, then enter it again into the ETIM system. So every time you sell on this side, you sell it on this other side. So that can create a lot of double work. So that, of course, you'd have to, uh, the kind of cues you saw with uh, e-citizen at the national park, yes. In your business, you'll encounter such cues because you're trying to generate multiple documentation. Yes, at the e you see, the current ETR system, probably you just enter one figure. I've made sales of 50,000 shillings without a breakdown. But here you have to manage your system, your invoice, your stock. That can be a lot of work because you have to pick the stock on this side for your accounting system, pick your stock again on the other side, enter that stock into the system. So there'll be some serious double work. I don't know how Hakamba and our team will try and simplify processes for businesses. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ernest. I had mentioned earlier that for especially the lowest end, we've had you, especially for the small, you've talked about the groceries, the next docu. For the small taxpayers, then we are exploring what kind of solutions we can have, as I mentioned, in their own ecosystem. See, when you go to the shop, even right now, our, our Mambamboga, whoever we are interacting with, have ease of using the mobile service solutions. Why? Because they're simple, they're accessible, and they're within their own comfort area that you're you are able, even you, to make a payment and they're able to keep a record of what payments have come in for the sales that they have made. So our thinking is going in that direction. And I've mentioned for the lowest end uh, with traders so that we have such simple solutions that are, are, are simple to use. They probably are solutions that uh, may not have the stock management module probably, but uh, it's a work in progress. It's something that once we are ready with it, we'll tell you what, what we've done. But yes, it's a consideration to be able to address the needs of our lowest end uh, traders. But yes, above a certain th threshold, you'll definitely need to know what exactly you are doing. And uh, speaking of imports, yes, especially for the taxpayers who have something substantial they are doing, of course, the imports form part of their stock. So we'd like to see how that is moving down the supply chain. But when it comes to the VAT accounting for that VAT, for that, those imports, I mentioned that our customs team have it uh, in their site and the auto-populated return, you'll be able to see that it's not only pulling data from ETIMS, but it's also pulling data from our custom system so that we have a complete picture of what these taxpayers' transactions are and they are able to make payments based on that. A quick one though, what's the team's compliance rates for someone who's VAT registered? What's the rates there in terms of how many are compliant with it? I'm going to combine ETIMS and TIMS eh? because we started with TIMS and then we have some of our taxpayers on teams, some of our taxpayers on e-teams for VAT, we are at 100% of active taxpayers. I'm going to say active taxpayers have on onboarded teams or e-teams. Now, the ones who are remaining who are VAT registered are either nil or non-filers. We have a proportion of them who have actually come on board 
but some of them have not come on board. So I would say 100% for active taxpayers. But going forward now, our focus is on the non-VAT taxpayers. It's not so high. Actually, we have a few taxpayers who have already come on board and we expect in this period of time we'll have that number also going up. But for VAT purposes, we actually would say that we are at 100%, actually more than 100%, and now we are moving towards the non-VAT taxpayers. Yeah, that's quite a record. My pain point, and I think it's someone else here is pointing out, is about the, the small businesses, especially the ones they say earning below a million or something like a year or something like that, moving in thousands. I, I would think that uh, each is maybe it would be exempted, especially for businesses that maybe would be registered for TAT. That would be my suggestion uh, from the conversation that you're having here today. But it seems like it's going to be quite a pain point for a lot of businesses. But looking back at maybe when you introduced e-teams for VAT and also teams back then, what are some of the lessons that you learned then that uh, would be important going forward that maybe you incorporated as you try to get non-VAT for e-teams? So some of the lessons that we probably take with us is the technology, basically. Just moving from teams to e-teams, we realized that we could be having the best intentions of what we want to achieve as an organization, but on the ground, what we need to take into consideration is having a seal of the environment within which our target taxpayers are operating in and finding ourselves there instead of trying to pull them to where we are. And that's why we moved from teams to e-teams so that now we can just use solutions that are available to these taxpayers. The other thing that we've probably learned is uh, the need for creation of an awareness. Now this, I think from the year 2005, when we started the first reform process, when our audience does, do not understand why we are doing this, then it becomes a bit hard for them to be able to comply. So the most important is for us to be available to give as much information as possible so that even as taxpayers comply, because believe me, one of the speakers was saying that where has this been done? To be honest, I think Africa, we are a bit behind. But when you look at Latin America, when you look at Europe, this is the way to go. This is the direction most revenue administrations are moving. So uh, just all, all of us understanding that even in East Africa, I will tell you that Kenya remained behind because Uganda, Tanzania, Rwanda went ahead of us uh, way back, many years back. So it's time for us also to be able to make the adjustments. Now, us having that understanding on maybe making that awareness come out that this is the direction that we need to go because that's the future of revenue administration maybe and more. So those ones are some of the lessons probably we've learned and are taking with us in this implementation even as we go forward. Hans, Joe, any questions? I see a lot of questions here. Olunga is asking, he said that if you're not registered for VAT as a supplier, the entity can not claim input tax from such suppliers. So he's asking, why then are the non-VAT needed to use ET? Maybe you can clarify that for him. Under the Finance Act 2023, there was a new provision that was passed that uh, for you to claim any business expense for income tax purposes, then the expense will have to be supported by an electronically generated invoice. So that is the basis and uh, the implementation or the, the effective date of that is uh, for all income that for relating to the period from 1st of January 2024. So if you want to take any expense and knock off against your revenues for income tax purpose, then you will need to get a Teams and E-Teams compliant invoice. The same case to your customers. 
if you do not issue them with a Teams or Teams compliant invoice, they will also they will also not be able to take it in as a deductible expense, and so you'll also get a pushback from such customers. Yes, I think that's fairly answered. I think someone here compared a PESA, I think, to Teams a bit. And even in 2023, you still find people who, when they want to register for a PIN, they still need to go to the cyber to do that. So I'm wondering how ETIPS need to work for most of people around, especially small businesses who are not very tech savvy. So I don't know how that is supposed to go about this to be able to be compliant because it feels like every invoice has to go through ETIPS. And if for a simple thing as just registering for some services online, they still do need to go to the cyber. I don't know how it's going to practically work for them to be part of this ETM system. And it's an open question for all of you guys. So I think my response to that is that it will be a gradual process. Obviously, from the onset, the very small traders will face challenges on boarding a team. But then over time, I believe it will be appreciated on the need to transfer keep documentary evidence that is online. It's not a straight answer that uh, there will be compliance. Of course, uh, I'm sure even from KRS side and uh, Kampa maybe can comment on that. They are making provisions for late comers in terms of uh, implementation. I don't know how such a taxpayer will be facilitated. In the spirit of trade facilitation, whether KRA will uh, outrightly be looking to punish such taxpayer or there will be room for dialogue and uh, trade facilitation. Maybe room for you, Akamba, to make a comment on that. Okay, so what, what I can say is that there is room for facilitation. We understand some of the challenges that some of the prospective taxpayers to on board are going to have. So the same processes of facilitation that we normally have, especially for PIN application. Yes, this implementation, we're also looking at it uh, for tax-based expansion. So the provisions are there for them to be facilitated to start from the beginning and come on board ETIM so that they can be able to do their business. Again, when it comes to the room for extension I mentioned earlier, we are not yet there to start talking about extension. What we are talking about right now is compliance. So especially if you're starting from so far, I think this is the time if you've gotten the message, it's the time that you actually start working on putting measures in place so that you can be able to complain on time. John, did you have something? I'm looking at a few questions. I want to, just, to go through a marathon of questions. There's one here, they need to also build the capacity of KRA staff. It took me a month of running around to get registered for E-teams. Conflicting instructions where to register for VAT. One had to register for E-teams so, and register for E-teams to demonstrate 5 million plus revenue for a new business. I don't know if you understand the question. I think He's asking about the capacity building of uh, KRA staff. It, they've not been very helpful. And the leader is Peter Magatti. Any response there? Uh, how is your team prepared for this avalanche of businesses that wants to register for E-teams uh, soon? That is usually a problem that you encounter when dealing with KRA conflicting views, views not supported by law, views that are personal or based on someone's interpretation of what is supposed to happen, views that are not updated to capture the current legal regime. So that is a challenge that you'll always encounter. So for a taxpayer, it's good also to know the provisions of the law so that when you encounter conflicting or views that are not supported by law, then you're able to push back because it's usually a challenge. Even us who deal with them every day, we encounter such 
situations. And many times you're forced then to write to them based on what is the basis for what you are saying so that you avoid situations where you have to run around from desk to desk. But just Hakamba, you can add on. I, I don't know if Niseme Staki kujitetea sana. I think I'll take that as feedback. But uh, I'm with you also. I think our responsibility is to be professional and to give as accurate information as possible regarding the uh, provisions that we have for revenue administration. So that I would take as our responsibility. And uh, in the event that this is not happening as the feedback I'm receiving, then I take this as feedback to my organization so that we can see where we need to improve. We actually make an improvement. But yes, the taxpayer themselves, you do better if you're also informed for example, the provisions for the Finance Act 2023, you are best informed before, by the time you're approaching KRA, you are coming from a point of information and you're not coming from a point where you are, you are really blank because then in, in that case, you'd have to take the, the, the guidance you're being given by someone who might, based on their also limited knowledge, they might not be able to advise you properly. But again, we are the organization that is tasked to be able to have this information. So I take it as feedback. A quick question, Nakamba. Before we get to the auto population of VAT returns, custom taxpayers supposed to be filing their, their supplier invoice using the control unit numbers or the actual invoice number as we know it. Okay. Yeah, we, we just have maybe the month of, of, we've just filed the return for October. So we only have November and December. The right figures to use, the numbers to use are the control unit invoice number, because this is the unique identifier that is being stamped by the software, both for teams and e-teams. And therefore, this, when it comes to now even claiming input tax, this is the number that is actually being recognized in the database. And it's the number that should be used. But we mentioned that going forward from January, for whatever inconveniences the taxpayers feel they have with the CU invoice number, then we are starting with the auto-populated return. We'll still be using the CU invoice number to auto-populate your returns. By the way, is there a cost to activating items? A numerical cost in terms of activating and all. I had mentioned that we have the free software. We have the free software, so it should be free, especially if you approach it from a KRA perspective. The thing about it is that when it comes to system integration, now that one, you may do it yourself, which I would say is free to the extent that you are using your own technical resources. But if you're going to consult a third-party integrator, of course, they are going to charge you because it's a technical cost for them. So they're going to charge you. But for the smaller solutions, it's the free software. All you need is to have your own gadget to install the free software on your devices. In each case, it is free. Smaller solutions, right. that means for small businesses or just for everyone? Or what a small year. I had mentioned earlier that uh, we have the free software that goes to your personal devices, your mobile phone, your tablet, your computer, etc. Then you, we only install the free software on your device or you'll have the online portal, the credentials for the online portal if you deal with services. But if you have a billing system, then you'll have the system-to-system -system integration, which you need to do. I have a question. Uh -huh. We've seen a, a push or a move by the government to start charging for everything or increase charges for anything that is being charged now. Is there a likelihood KRA will also start charging for this system? And then there is this move that you not access government services if you're not contributing to shift social health insurance funds will carry impose that to be able to access 
eatings? No, I must say I'm not a prophet. For now, I honestly, I cannot talk about something that has not happened. Right now, we are dealing with the situation. We are rolling out eTeams as it is. We know it's a free software. We're installing it on your devices. For the other dependencies that you are maybe envisioning, I am not able to comment on that. I'm sorry. I think we will be winding up very soon. Uh, a couple of quick questions. I think Joe can take this one. Somebody's asking about if they are below the 25 million uh, threshold, should you automatically pay TOT or can you just elect to do income tax? So ideally, the automatic um, obligation is income tax for every taxpayer. For turnover tax, you have to opt out of income tax and apply for turn to operate within a turnover tax. As we mentioned, the threshold is that uh, you are making sales of between 1 million on the lower side and a ceiling of 25 million. I think someone is complaining about KRA's revenue collection and then you have the challenges of politicians misusing money. But I guess that's not the topic today. So we will all definitely just move to some other things. But Joe, any comments for small businesses in terms of how to go about complying? And especially not just the thing for these e-teams, just early about tax compliance and small businesses. A lot of people postpone the issue of having a tax expert to be able to help them uh, through this. And then you have penalties at the end of the day. So speak to that and also speak to some of the penalties that you see in terms of T9 compliance, also just to do with e-teams, non-registration and all. Yes, Erica, my quick comment to that is that it has again and again been said that uh, the easiest tax planning uh, method is uh, compliance or over and above thinking of other complicated means. Any taxpayer, especially from our listener, listeners, the important is to be compliant. If you are not able to understand the tax implications and uh, the requirements, it's important to get on board a tax consultant and that's where many of us come in. I think uh, going forward for businesses that are fairly complicated, it will be hard to operate without um, engaging a tax consultant. So if you are able to learn the tax laws as a taxpayer, if not, it will be important to get a tax consultant on board. The fee you will pay the consultant will be much less than the implications that you will have to incur for non-compliance. Those are my thoughts. So the commissioner is required to exempt any class of transactions or persons from... So I'm looking forward to that Gazette notice where he will come up with a list of items or persons who will be exempt. So... My understanding is that this will not be a secret list. It will be something that will be in the public domain. They will know who is exempt and who is not, and probably the reasons for the exemption. My expectation is that this ETM system will be used for graduating people from one tax regime to another. So from people who are not VAT registered, I believe it will be used to recruit new taxpayers into the VAT and also to move people from TOT to the normal corporate tax regime. So I think in fullness of time, once everybody or a good number of people are through eatings, the greater visibility that it will afford the tax authority, it will help in moving and mobilizing more taxes from Kenyans. So then of course it will reduce the instances of people hiding, especially if you're doing B2B businesses. So your target client is a business. Because I expect every business will want to get an ETIMS compliance invoice.
So you expect businesses to also assist the taxpayer in pushing a person who is a small business person to become ETIMS compliant. So I think in these three months to, 20, to the end of 2023, Kerry will be assisted also a great deal by other big businesses to push small businesses to be compliant. I've been getting a lot of queries from clients. What do I do with my small suppliers, supplier of labor? How do I deal with them? So that will be an, a good place to look into because many people are concerned, labor service providers, small consultancies, people who are labor, uh, labor providers, how do you incorporate them into eating? So this will be a chance for people to educate themselves, big businesses, small businesses as to their requirements, start registering into eating so that then come 2023, a more seamless transition will happen. So thank you very much. Now it's time for some closing thoughts. There's a question here. I think we'll check some of these offline. Some of the questions I'll tag you guys and then you can be able to respond them uh, later. It's been two hours, I think, of discussing it, teams. Uh, I think this is a never-ending discussion. So I think we will definitely have you again, Hakamba, before the new year. I hope you have a good Christmas. Maybe you need to have an early Christmas because there's a lot of people we need to be onboarded and Kenyans and deadlines will be signing up on 31st of December. I'll give you a chance to give your closing thoughts and then I come to Ernst and then uh, Joe. Okay. Uh, on behalf of Kerry, I'd like to thank, uh, to thank you for uh, giving us this opportunity to explain ourselves uh, during this session and uh, to also let you know that we do appreciate that it's, it's a challenging conversation to have. Nonetheless, it is a necessary conversation to start having so that we can be able to move together going forward. Maybe to just mention that also uh, we, we are available. We actually have been supporting uh, the taxpayers in, through this journey to be able to understand the system, to know how to invoice and to basically comply. And we'll always be available in the event someone needs support from us. So you should visit any care office for assistance countrywide. But maybe something to watch out for even as we look towards the end of this year is apart from the items on boarding, which we are already discussing right now, we have talked uh, briefly about the populated return also coming in January. But there's also the regulations, the Tax Procedures Act regulations for electronic tax invoicing. They've also been published for public participation. I'd encourage the audience to get hold of them and give your feedback. So that as we move forward, it's something that you have also been able to appraise yourself with and have given your comments in areas that need improvement for improvement. So we are all going to be very busy. I'm busy, but you are all going to be very busy because there are a lot of things that are running concurrently. And thanking you also for being compliant taxpayers. And it is through your compliance that we are able to build this country. So thank you very much. Have a nice evening. For me, my biggest concern with eatings is the transmission. My view is the government should look for a way, probably through the Ministry of Information, to make this feature accessible for free on the internet to any person in this country, irrespective of where they are, without having to incur the cost of transmission. I have had a look at the draft, I've skimmed through the draft regulations and the responsibility has been placed on the taxpayer. My view is that the government should cover the cost of transmission so that anybody does not have to say they do not have internet at any point in time, especially in this 
days of high cost of living. Do not want a person to, in addition to all the other costs that he has, they have additional internet costs. Yes, so the government should that in. Thank you. Joe. Thank you, Eric, for that. And uh, mine is to thank uh, Akamba for making time to attend our today's uh, speeches. From the engagements we've seen from the audience, clearly this is a never-ending uh, discussion. And uh, as we have um, uh, mentioned, we need to arrange for maybe one or two more before we come to a close of the year. And uh, to the taxpayers, it's important to just uh, give you some level of comfort that KRA, not as bad as we think. From my experience, you will meet people who are ready and to listen and give you support. But by and large, in the event that you get stuck, I will uh, once again recommend that you get uh, a tax consultant to help you simplify something. Might be very complicated to a layman, but uh, might be very easy if uh, you add a tax consultant on board. It does not an additional expense, it will only be to the level of uh, time spent by the consultant. But as I said again, the easiest tax planning method is uh, through compliance. Have a good day. Thank you, Joe, and uh, thank you all for joining us. And uh, just keep following us on the timeline. Please follow these people, Hakamba, Ernst, and Joe on Twitter. They're very active there. Uh, they can be able to answer your questions you have in, in regards to tax and all. So on that note, Hakamba, special thanks to you for coming. I know it's uh, your first time on Spaces. You did very well, I must say. Hope to have you again soon to explain us to us a bit more about that.